What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 52 of the Deep Ball Gridiron Edition. I'm your host, Anthony Paolo, joined, of course, by my co-host, Corey Lichtman. And Core, three weeks left to go in the regular season. I'm ready to recap week 15 and get right into it. Yes, sir, Paolo. You know, another um, I mean, a little bit of a weird week, fantasy-wise and just everything-wise. But, yeah, I mean, heated um, playoff situations, definitely ready to get into it. Yeah, I mean, definitely a strange week, even construction-wise with games. I mean, you had games played on Monday that was supposed to be played on Saturday, and then you had the two games on Tuesday. So uh, a a long week of football, if you want to say, for NFL football. But, yeah, let's get right into it. Kind of recapping now, going back a little bit to last Thursday now, the Thursday night game between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Los Angeles Chargers, a thriller. Ended in overtime with the Chiefs being victorious, 34-28. to And I guess the common theme in this one will be – Aggression. I mean, Brandon Staley went for it three times in Kansas City territory, twice in goal-to-go situations. The other one was on like the Kansas City 28-yard line. Didn't get him either of the, any of the times. You end up going into overtime. You look back at that. You're like, well, you probably in hindsight's 2020. You're like, you take the points. I like his aggression. I think that aggression wins football games. I think at some points though, it has to be tamed. You know what I mean? You have to kind of choose your shots. I don't hate ever going for it like inside the three-yard line on fourth and goal-to-go. So. Listen, I don't, I don't completely. I don't think people should be bashing Staley at all for being aggressive again. You're trying to beat the Kansas City Chiefs, who are one of the best teams in football. Yeah, you have Justin Herbert on your side. You're gonna put put the ball in Herbert's hands. I don't completely hate the I hate the moves. Oh yeah, no. I mean, I don't really. I don't necessarily hate the moves. Like first drive of the game. Um, I mean, you get down at the K, the Kansas City five yard line. I don't have a problem with that like to start the game but just like I don't know I know again they were at like the Kansas City one they don't get in passing complete right before half to Keenan Allen but I don't know just something there was a play like fourth and two I think in the third quarter um could have made it maybe like a four-point game he goes for it like in Kansas City territory could have kicked a field goal um like I said I don't really have a problem with the aggressiveness but I kind of agree with you I think like sometimes like you just got to put some points on the board, because in this game, you see how many points, like, they went for it on fourth down um, three times, I know, like, they like they got stopped, like, they turned the ball over on downs three times, like, that's nine points, um, possibly, like, taken away, could have took a field goal, but, like, I don't have a problem inside, like, inside the five, but I don't know, like, just sometimes, like, I think you got to take the points, I know you want to beat the Kansas City Chiefs, like, maybe you can't really beat the Kansas City Chiefs with field goals, but he's been doing it all year. I mean, the team is eight and six. They've been doing good. It. I mean, hey, the first time they played, he went for it on like fourth and nine, and they got it. So sometimes you live or die by going for it on fourth down. But I don't know. Sometimes aggressiveness in situations like this, I think there are times like maybe just take the points. But I mean, I don't have a problem with it overall. Um, this was probably, I mean, definitely probably the game of the week. Um, Patrick Mahomes really didn't do. I mean, his numbers look really good, but for most of this game, kind of was held in check on a lot of like short passes. I mean, uh, fourth quarter and overtime, um, he kind of he kind of came back to like Patrick Mahomes. But yeah, I mean, this was a great game between two playoff teams in the AFC. But I mean, Kansas City Chiefs come out on top on the road, and yeah, I mean, this was a big game for the division. I think the Chiefs are going to have uh, the AFC West. But yeah, overall, obviously, just a really good game between two good teams. 
Yeah, one last thing I'll mention with Steelers aggression is actually misspoke. Yeah, he, actually, I forgot about that time right before half. So, yeah, it was three times they get stopped to go to go. And then even one time, Josh Kelly fumbles on the one-yard line, which doesn't help at all when you're already not scoring on go-to-go situations. You can't turn the ball over there and not even give yourself a chance to score. But you're right. Kansas City needed this game really for the division because if they would have lost, then they uh, the Chargers have a tiebreaker with them. Chargers play the Texans this week, too. Probably another win that they're looking for that they'll probably get, you know what I mean? So Kansas City would potentially be in an uphill battle for the division. Now they look to be in the driver's seat for the number one seed in the AFC. So definitely a big swing game. And you're right, yeah, Patrick Mahomes, yeah, the numbers look great if you ask me, but for really three quarters of this game, it was kind of quiet out of him. And then the fourth quarter really shifted it into the next gear. And then like late in the game when they needed a touchdown drive, of course he got it. And it was almost like, all right, that's like, kind of the Mahomes that we were used to seeing a lot more kind of worked out some of those midseason kinks that he was undergoing. But yeah, I mean, the two stars, of course, for Kansas City and Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill as well, from a receiving standpoint, both had big games. Tyree Kill, 148 yards, Kelsey, 191 and two touchdowns. I mean, that last touchdown that Kelsey had to prove why he's one of the top tight ends in the game that he's able to uh, turn that into a touchdown and stuff like that. So a big win for the Kansas City Chiefs and uh, for the Chargers, they still sit pretty in the AFC race in a sense that they're up. I mean, they're eight and six. They are in the playoff picture right now. Like I said, that could definitely change. They do have the Texans coming up this week. So that's a game that they have to win. They cannot afford to, for that to be a letdown spot and drop it on a longer week because they played on Thursday and now going to play this Sunday. But core aggression was kind of a common theme this past week. And we'll go to another game where aggression maybe. Back, I mean, it did backfire, no doubt about it. We have the Baltimore Ravens. They were down 15, 14 points in this game in the second half, late in the fourth quarter, to be more specific. They score a touchdown. They get the ball back. They score again. And John Harbaugh says, let's go for two for the second time in three weeks, similar to against the Pittsburgh Steelers. He wants to try to end it right there. And they're unsuccessful with it. Tyler Huntley was at quarterback in this one. Lamar Jackson still a little banged up. And he played really very well down the stretch in this one. It just came down to one play at the end that they didn't get. Again, if you ask me, I like the call of being aggressive here with your backup quarterback in a team that was losing all game. I would have much rather them went for two when they scored the first touchdown to make it an eight-point game. Then you go for two there. And then, like, if you get it there, then you kick the extra point uh, if you score the second touchdown and stuff like that. You just give yourself a little bit more wiggle room to go for it the first time than the second time. But – Besides the fact, I still didn't even think the second time was ba- was a bad idea to go for it. I didn't love the play call at all. I think maybe use Huntley's legs a little more. But uh, for a team, the Ravens, who it just seems like, again, similar to the Vikings, they have to play every single game close. Uh, they give the Packers uh, a real run for their money down the stretch in this game without Lamar Jackson. It's pretty impressive and a testament to John Harbaugh and his coaching staff. Yeah, I mean, last episode I was saying, like, Huntley plays, Lamar Jackson plays. Like, I think this is going to be a close game. It ended up turning – into a close game and regarding that two-point conversion personally if I'm the Ravens I mean you obviously got like the greatest kicker of all time personally um I'm kicking the extra point send this game possibly the overtime I mean Aaron Rodgers is a bad man he might be marching down for um a game-winning field goal anyway but I mean I saw the clips John Harbaugh he's like what do you guys want to do and like Huntley I think Mark Andrews other guys are like let's go for two and and he he respected his players' uh, decision. Obviously, didn't turn out right, but, like, after, like, Mark Andrews was, like, it was the right call. I mean, it just shows, like, the type of relationship and bond, respect, like, players have for um for Harbaugh. So, I know it didn't work out, but, I mean, the call, 
bro, you live or die by your players, and that's what happened. I mean, Tyler Huntley played really good in this game. Put up almost like a Lamar Jackson type type effort. I think Mark Andrews, uh, I think this guy is literally, I'd say definitely a top four tight end right now. I mean, he's just balling out. But, yeah, I mean, this is the third straight loss for the Ravens. Um, they've kind of, I mean, the AFC North was open, but now it's extremely wide open. Like, everyone separated by, like, nothing less than one game. I know the Browns, like, I mean, the Browns, is an uphill battle for them, but technically they're not out of it at all. Like, they're they're completely in the mix of things. But, I don't know, I think the Ravens put themselves in a position. Now they got to go down Cincinnati, get a win, which I think they will do. But, I don't know, this overall, obviously, um, was a competitive game. Uh, the, the Packers clinched the NFC North. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, regarding the two-point conversion, personally, I kick it. But, hey, I mean, you live or die by your players, and that's what I respect. Um, I respect Harbaugh for that. Yeah, listen, I just think that if you're going to be aggressive, like, you're just – I don't want to say, like, just always, like, the reason why I love Brandon Staley with the charge, like, you know, like, he just, that's his philosophy, he's going to stick to it, and he's not going to deviate from it, you know what I mean, he's aggressive, and that that's his style, like, honestly, it's starting to look like the same thing with Harbaugh, like, if you're going to commit to a style, I like it, you know what I mean, I don't like you going back and forth with things, starting to question your own, like, theories and how and your strategies and stuff like that if you're going to go with something you believe that that's your best chance to win stay with it 100 percent and go in board with it that's why i think if you ask me they should have went for it on the, the first time when they made it when they scored the first touchdown to make it an eight point game instead of kick the extra point to make it a seven but besides the fact i can live with that you're right though three straight losses for the ravens for the last five to really put everybody in the AFC North back in it they could definitely have they definitely had a chance to separate themselves a little bit more they have a huge divisional game you mentioned this week with the Cincinnati Bengals followed by a tough matchup with the Los Angeles Rams so they've put themselves into this situation kind of backs against the wall a little bit but if we've learned anything from this Ravens team they'll find a way in the fourth quarter probably to be able to pull it out definitely will be interesting to see if Lamar Jackson will be good to go for these last three games like I said Of course it matters, you know what I mean? Like, people can look at Tyler Huntley and be like, oh, he did the exact same thing as Lamar Jackson. But defenses prepare for Lamar Jackson a lot differently than they prepare for Tyler Huntley. Yes, it's the same Mm -hmm. system, and yes, they do a lot of similar things. But Lamar Jackson is a much more dynamic athlete than Tyler Huntley is. There's a reason why Lamar Jackson was an MVP of the National Football League, and Tyler Huntley came into the league undrafted, you know what I mean? They're just that they're in different levels in certain things that they do. Huntley probably does a couple things better than Lamar, but Lamar does a lot of things better than Tyler Huntley. But, core, I mean, we mentioned these two games. There was a lot of other shakeup at the top of these conferences. I mean, the one, I think the one and the two seed in both conferences lost, so let's get right into that first. We'll start with Saturday, the Saturday game between the New England Patriots and the Indianapolis Colts. Colts were able to outlast the Patriots in this one 27-17, thanks to a late touchdown run from Jonathan Taylor, who's been unbelievable. He took another huge workload day in the backfield, 20-plus carries, ended with over 170 yards. Yeah, I mean, they just made life on Mac Jones difficult. It was really the first time all season that Mac Jones, I mean, I shouldn't say all season because he struggled a little bit against the Saints game. But, yeah, he, he just really it wasn't it wasn't very easy for Mac Jones. It was thrown a little off script in this one. And the Patriots kind of got punched in the mouth. I think they went down 20 nothing in this game, kind of tried to claw back in it. At the end of the day, weren't able to get over the hump. But uh, for the Colts, I mean, this is a huge win. The Colts are a true contender, if you ask me, in the AFC. And they kind of were on a national stage on Saturday night and really showed the rest of the country that this team is for real. Yeah, I mean, the, the Indianapolis Colts, um, we knew, like, their first five games were extremely, extremely tough. Um, their schedule is still, I mean, 
it's not been easy. But, yeah, I mean, this team is um, a really good football team on both sides of the ball. And you got you got Jonathan Taylor um, <clears throat> in the backfield. Obviously, it makes life um, a lot easier, I'd say, right now. I mean, Derrick Henry out. No one's running the ball like Jonathan Taylor. He's probably the best pure back in the league right now with Derrick Henry out. And, I mean, Carson Wentz, he hasn't really had to do too much. And the thing about Carson Wentz, like, I don't know. I mean, certainly I don't think of him as a game manager. Like, I think he's more than a game manager. And that's, like, all he's really had to do um, for a lot of the year, to be honest. Uh, Hasn't really turned the ball over too much. I know he had a pretty – interception in this game but I think um if the run game does get stopped but which is going to be tough to stop Jonathan Taylor obviously in the playoffs if they make it I I think Carson Wentz um it's not like you got like no respect like Teddy Bridgewater guys like that are more like game manager I think Carson Wentz is definitely a step above that he's proven it on the Eagles like he could he could uh I think he could carry the, the 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 Colts to a playoff win if Jonathan Taylor like gets shut down in the backfield, I think this Colts team, that's what I'm saying. Like, they're just, they could beat you in a lot of different ways. Um, run the ball. I think Carson Wentz obviously could throw the ball. Their defense is really good. So, I think this is definitely a dark horse team to um, potentially come out of the AFC and make a lot of noise in uh, in the playoffs. Yeah, you mentioned the Colts potentially being a team that could beat you a lot of different ways. Yeah, I think the one question that a lot of people will ask is, yeah, what would happen like if the Colts got thrown off script and they went down early in a game two scores, right? Because Carson Wentz, I, I'm personally completely on board with you. I think Carson Wentz can carry an offense. He's shown it before. Yes, he had a tough 2020 season, but 2021, he really hasn't been asked to do a lot. I mean, even in this game, didn't even throw for 60 yards, which is crazy to think of in 2021, but that's just the way some games turn out. So can Wentz really kind of carry the Colts offense and bring them back from a deficit Time will only tell, but I think the Colts everywhere else have proven that they are a more than capable team to get out of the AFC and even win the Super Bowl. I think if you want to take a team that maybe isn't getting as much, I knew, I knew even before the game, I kind of was on like the Colts bandwagon in this sense. But now that a lot more people have seen it, maybe the Colts don't have, aren't as underrated as they were a week ago before they beat the New England Patriots. But yeah, I think the Colts, if you want to maybe look at a team who's not, right at the top of a conference, a team that could really make some noise and be a surprise in the playoffs. I definitely think the Indianapolis Colts are a team to watch. One thing that definitely will be important to watch for the Colts down the stretch is can they potentially win the AFC South? They're a game behind the Titans, but really two games behind them with three to play because the Titans have the tiebreaker with them. So that will be important down the stretch for them. Moving on to the Titans, because the Titans had a chance again to keep that uh, lead to two games and then really with three with the tiebreaker make it almost all but impossible for them to not win the AFC South they turn the ball over four times against the Pittsburgh Steelers the Steelers come back late in this one win it 19 to 13 you just can't turn the ball over three straight drives in the second half and expect to win a football game especially a close hard-fought battle between a team like the Steelers who will grit games out and keep them close so uh the Titans are probably hoping that Derrick Henry's return is on the horizon but uh, for now, they're trying to weather the storm. And really, they outplayed the Steelers in this game. It's just that, again, self-inflicted wounds. Can't turn the ball over four times and win a football game. Simple as that. Yeah, I mean, for sure. The um, Titans in this game, they got out to a um, a 10-0 lead. And I don't know. Just, um, this was this is honestly a pretty ugly game via the offensive, offensive standpoint. Like, Big Ben throws for 148 yards. Najee runs for... 18 yards 
and you and the Steelers win the game, like I don't know how like that's just what the Steelers do. They just grit games. I mean, the Titans probably should win this game. I mean, they outgained them uh, more first downs. Just yeah, I mean, turning the ball over is is just not gonna just not gonna cut it. I mean, fumbles. Um, Tannehill threw a pick. I don't know. I just I don't know. I, like I think in the beginning the Titans were winning games without Derrick Henry. Like they went into the Ram. They went into LA, beat the Rams. They beat the Saints. People, I don't know what um people's like thought were, but I think obviously it's clear. Like this team's identity is to just give the ball to Derrick Henry. I mean, Deontay Foreman had a solid game on the ground, uh, rushing. I mean, but I don't know. He's not. He's no Derrick Henry. Um, the Titans have also been without uh, AJ Brown. I know Julio Jones played in this game. Didn't even have a catch, but I know they've been out. Um, they've AJ Brown hasn't been playing, so. I'll give him an excuse there, but I don't know. I think right now this Titans team, like you can't tell me this team's a contender right now. Like they're not up there with the Chiefs, the Patriots, even even the Colts, even the Chargers. Like without Derrick Henry, this team is just not a contender when it comes to um, December and January. And honestly, I don't think the Steelers are either. I think they grit out. Like this is a big grit out win. I just don't think the Steelers got any type of firepower right now to like – do anything like I don't think this team if they made the playoffs like I'm not thinking they're gonna they're gonna beat someone in the playoffs just I don't know I mean the defense is really good but the offense I just don't think can overcome obstacles in the playoffs but I don't know these are this is the hard-fought game between two teams who personally I don't think uh Titans don't have Derrick Henry I don't think either one of these teams are really um going anywhere if they make the playoffs yeah, I'll start with the Steelers. Like I said, they were victorious in this one. They absolutely had to have this game put them at 7-6 at 1. Yeah, it just seems like the Steelers, a lot like for them potentially down the stretch and even in the playoffs, it, it kind of has – like it, like they'll take advantage of a team beating themselves, you know what I mean? But for them to, again, like you mentioned, really be they – are, they are a good defensive team for sure. They have an elite defense. But, like, they don't really run the ball well, so that doesn't really help their defense at all. You know what I mean? Normally – You'd like you'd like that run game to be complimentary to that. So I, I'm with you. I don't, I don't really I don't think they win the AFC North, and I think if they were to make one of the wild cards, I think they'd absolutely have to squeeze in, maybe get a little help, and then uh, if they get to the playoffs, really lean on their defense and hope that they can force a lot of turnovers, and that leads to points somewhere. But I agree with that. even the Titans as well. I think the Titans absolutely need Derrick Henry to come back down the stretch for them to have any chance of winning a playoff game. I think AJ Brown coming back this week will help, but. It's, it's Derrick Henry or bust, basically, for me in Tennessee, how I feel with them. Uh, Tennessee's defense is honestly a lot better than they've been really in the past couple of years. The one thing, too, I'll say about Tennessee, they seem to play to their competition a lot, which is not a sign of a great team, if you ask me. It's good when you get up for those games against the Bills and the Rams and the Chiefs, who they all beat. But then to, uh, to drop games to the Texans, to the Jets earlier in the year, it, it makes you feel good come playoff time, right, that you get up for those games. But then in the regular season sometimes, like, it's not good that you can't gauge your own team sometimes because you don't know what Titans team you're going to get sometimes. But for them, they're, they're just worried. There's one thought on their mind, like I've been saying, it's Derrick Henry, get him back. And hopefully, in their case, that can propel them on a run. I think they were good enough in the earlier parts of the year that it's going to help them get into the playoffs. But if you ask me who the top seven teams are right now in the AFC, the Titans are not in it. And honestly, I don't even think they're maybe even a top 10 team in the AFC without Derrick Henry. But they had a really good record. They they can afford to drop a few games. I know they play the 49ers this week. They play the Dolphins next week and the Texans the week after. They probably only need to win one of them to be in the playoffs. So lucky for them that they had a good 
and start to the year. But uh, yeah, definitely panic time in Tennessee if Derrick Henry can't come back soon enough. Core moving on to the NFC. I mean, again, still shake up there. The Arizona Cardinals absolutely embarrassed by the one win Lions. Lions get their second one of the season with a nice win. I believe the final was 30 to 12 in that one. Jared Goff and the boys got going early in this one. Jumped out to a 17 nothing halftime lead. Amanda St. Brown had a good day in the air, who seems to be a real good young receiver. I've been high on the guy since he was at USC. But uh, yeah, the Cardinals, listen, coming off a loss, then go. I know it's a short week still, but it's just such a sour note to drop a game. To, like When you come off a loss, your focus and everything, like you got to kind of hone in in the NFL and stuff like that. I don't care that it's a short week. You don't have enough time, that, as much time to prep to prepare and you're still going on the road. You're playing the Detroit Lions, a team that has one win on the season. You absolutely had to win that game. I thought you should have, like, I would be worried if this game, if they would have squeezed out this game, I still would be worried about the Cardinals. To get absolutely, like, blown out, if you ask me, and just, like, ugh, like, that's the best way to describe that game, if you ask me, from the Cardinals. It's just, it's tough, and it definitely, for a team that's kind of overcame a Kyler Murray injury this year, and they played well with Colt McCoy at QB to kind of ride the ship, it's just like a sour note right now to drop this game to the Lions. And with the Rams winning this week, they're back tied at the top of the NFC West. They were in prime position, the Cardinals, to run away with this division, and they've opened the door wide open. Yeah, I mean, I I agree. I mean, the Cardinals coming off a loss to um, to the Rams on uh, Monday Night Football. I wasn't like fully panic mode, but I mean, I know the Lions are a team who comes in uh, game in, game out, competes hard. I know Dan Campbell, I mean, um, just, this is just a bad loss. Uh, Kyler Murray, I know D hop is out, but like to lose this game in the mix of a playoff push to win the a- NFC West, um, just a tough, tough loss. Uh, they're going to have to bounce back this week against a surging, surging Colts team, which is, is, is tough. And I mean, Hey, I mean, you don't want to lose the, um, NFC West, uh, division lead. I mean, this team goes from, potential potentially to be the one seed and i mean they could drop as they could honestly drop as low i don't think they'll drop below the 49ers that's gonna be really not that'd be really wait they swept them right uh yeah no i think yeah the lowest they'll drop like five or six like you don't want to do that you don't want to go on the road for um a first playoff game so i don't know certainly some panic in arizona it's a must win uh game this week on saturday night against against the colts but yeah, I mean, hey, the Lions out here, they battled Dan Campbell. Shout out Craig Reynolds, um, one offer from Cutstown University, small school in Pennsylvania, rushed for 112 in this game. So shout out to him. But yeah, I mean, yeah, the Lions played hard. But yeah, you can't really lose this game if um if you're the Cardinals. But yeah, they're gonna have to rebound and see because the Rams are Rams are coming in the, in the NFC West. Yeah, I mean, that's another thing, even if you want to throw into this whole thing. I mean, you're not talking about a Lions team that's at 100%. I mean, Craig Reynolds started the year, probably wasn't even on the roster. He's probably their fourth running back up so far this year. I mean, like you said, though, great performance from the guy who ran for over 100 yards. Hats off to him. But for the Arizona Cardinals, definitely this week, if you throw a an ugly game, you know what I mean? I would be kind of uh, – wouldn't be a good sign, if you ask me, for the Arizona Cardinals. Core? Another top team, though, in the NFC also lost this past week. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers shut out on Sunday Night Football to who else but the New Orleans Saints. I mean, the Saints now are 4-0 in the regular season over Tom Brady in the past two years. 
as a member of the Buccaneers. I, I just don't know what it is. Dennis Allen owns Tom Brady. I mean, Eli Manning owns Tom Brady. Nick Foles, you could say, owns Tom Brady. And now Dennis Allen, throw him, or regular season Dennis Allen, I should at least say, throw him into that mix. Yes, I know the Buccaneers lost a lot of playmakers in this one. Chris Godwin, the biggest one, a torn ACL, which is a huge loss for the Buccaneers team. Probably their most important receiver. Mike Evans went down in this one. They lost Fournette as well. So, yes, they were a little bit depleted, but they still didn't really do anything with all the guys there. I mean, they didn't score a point in the first half either So when they were all healthy. But for the Saints, a team that had like 14 offensive yards midway through the fourth quarter in the second half, uh, it was just survive and win. And they were able to lean on their defense. Their de- again, the team that plays a lot, they get, they get in these receivers' faces, Marshawn Lattimore, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, Paulson Debo. And, uh, yeah, they're not afraid to cover at all. And they do a great job against Tom Brady. And I'm sure that a lot of teams now will continue to look at how the Saints have played the Buccaneers. I know a lot of teams can't do it because they don't have the personnel. But they will try to maybe use that as a way that they could at least tame Brady down the stretch in the 2021 season. Yeah, I mean, first off, like this game, from an offensive standpoint, was definitely like, it, it was pretty bad. I mean, as an Alvin Kamara fantasy owner, in the playoffs, I was kind of just like, this is this is hurting my eyes. But, yeah, I mean, Tom Brady's kryptonite is clearly uh, the New Orleans Saints defense. Like, he – I mean, besides the – I mean, they beat them in the playoffs last year. But since – besides that, like, I think they've gotten swept in both regular season um, matchups. Um, so, he's 0-4 in the regular season versus um, the Saints <clears throat> as on the Buccaneers. But, I don't – yeah, I don't know what it is either. But in this game, Tom Brady just looked completely – completely rattled I mean you could say he lost Chris Godwin he lost Mike Evans he lost um Leonard Fournette like he lost a lot of playmakers out there but like you said he really wasn't doing that much before in this game it was just a it was literally just punt after punt after punt um and yeah the Saints win this game nine nothing uh see the Saints like this is a game where I think people are like the Saints defense definitely could like stifle a lot of teams and get them like into the playoffs and personally I don't know like this, I think the Saints defense is really good but besides like when they play the Bucks, it's a good defense but it's not like this good somehow but their offense since like J- even with Jameis it really wasn't good but I don't know with Taysom Trevor Simeon uh we'll talk about it after now maybe Ian Book like the Saints offense has been really bad, probably bottom five in the NFL. And I don't know, nine points is not going to cut it most games, but when you're playing the Buccaneers and you're Tom Brady's kryptonite, yeah, it'll work. That picture of um, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, like, smiling at Tom Brady, I just find I find so funny. Um, but, yeah, I don't know, Tom Brady, going to have to get back on track this week without, um, I know, Godwin torn ACL. Mike Evans, I'm not sure if he's playing. I know Leonard Fournette, I think, is going to go on injured reserve. So I think Chris Godwin's a huge loss. I mean, he was uh, their leader in receptions. Um, someone else is going to have to pick up pick up the slack and Brady. Uh, I don't know. I mean, AB is back. Uh, that was pretty dumb for me. But yeah, this game was pretty ugly in the Buccaneers. I'm not really worried about him yet. I think just the Saints are his kryptonite. And I expect them to get back on track this week um, against the Panthers. But yeah, this was just an ugly game overall. Big defensive battle. 
Yeah, I'm not going to overreact. I think I've said that the Buccaneers, if you ask me, are like one of my top teams. I think a lot of people, again, would say that they're easily one of their top three teams in football right now. I'm more worried about the fact that, yeah, they lost Chris Godwin than the fact that they lost this game 9 nothing to the Saints. I think Antonio Brown is the biggest X factor there. He was really, honestly, probably Brady's favorite target in the first six weeks of the season. And then he went down with the injury, and then he was suspended. So... I don't. I wouldn't say it's a given if you ask me. I, I don't know Antonio Brown the past couple of years. Not the best guy, maybe that you have to rely on. You know what I mean? He does have the best track record now. But I mean, they need him big time now with no Chris Godwin. He can step into that role and really put up the numbers that Godwin was kind of producing. So a big, big uh, opportunity for AB to kind of step in and remind people in the NFL world how talented he is. Core, we're going to bring it finally into the playoff picture. I mean, we've said for so many weeks how the AFC is a mess. Right now, we have 13 teams in the AFC that are at 500 or better. I think 16 or five teams are eight and five. Another like four or seven and seven. It's, it's a mess, Core. Right now, as the playoff stands, you have the Kansas City Chiefs, New England Patriots, Tennessee Titans, Cincinnati Bengals, and then the wild card. Those are the division leaders. And then for the wild card teams, you have the Colts, the Chargers, and the Buffalo Bills core. Are there any teams outside that I have not named there that you think will play themselves into the playoffs down the stretch of these last three games? Yeah, I mean, it's honestly like really, really, um, really congested in the in the AFC. I mean, I think the Miami Dolphins are a team I definitely gotta gotta keep an eye on. Uh do I think they could win out? I possibly do. I mean, I think at Tennessee might be a, a tough game. I think, um, I don't know. I just, I mean, I just think like, I don't know if they can get into that top seven. It's going to be tough. There's just so much to overcome. But like, if there is a team, I think, like, I think Miami out of those teams, I think, I know, um, I think Cleveland's a good team, but I think they play the Packers on the road, then the Steelers and the and, and, and the Bengals, like they got a tough, tough schedule. Uh, I don't know. I think I think the Ravens end up winning the AFC North. Hey, I'm gonna be bold. I think Tua Tagovailoa hasn't really been like he's done good, but I mean his numbers have been great. I think Tua is my bold prediction. I think Tua is able to lead the Dolphins into the playoffs, and the Ravens win the AFC North. And that would I don't know. I think somehow the Bengals miss the playoffs. So yeah, I think the I think the Dolphins somehow get their way in into the playoffs. That's my bold prediction. Yeah, listen, I know you've been high on Tua, and I mean, justifiably so. I mean, he kind of deserves a little bit more respect. I mean, people all in the beginning of the year were throwing his name under the mud and stuff like that. Oh, let's go get Watson if we're the Dolphins because we'll never win with Tua and stuff like that. Yes, you can point to the schedule not being particularly strong, but six straight wins at some point, you know what I mean? You got to tip your cap. I know he, I don't think he started the streak, but – He's continued it. So good for him. He did even come in relief in that game against the Baltimore Ravens and won that one for them. Do I necessarily think they squeeze into the playoffs? I'm, I'm going to say no, only on the fact that they would absolutely have to have that week 16 game against the Tennessee Titans to have a chance. If you ask me, they have to win that one. They play the Patriots the week after. That would actually be the week 17 game. Excuse me. They play the Patriots the week after in week 18. So I, I just think it's. I think they set themselves up like in the beginning of the year, just put themselves in too big of a hole and stuff like that. But hey, they're still in the race. You know what I mean? If you want to be a playoff team, you have to beat teams like the Titans and the Patriots. So they're going to deserve to get into the playoffs if they do. So at least that's good for them. I'm in agreement with you too. Another team though that absolutely has to have this week against the Cincinnati Bengals, the Baltimore Ravens, I think, are the better team. I think they will 
they should win the AFC North. But at the same time, it's like they if they don't win this week, they're done because the Cincinnati Bengals now would be up a game with the tiebreaker with two games left to play. So I'll go with the Ravens as one of those teams as well if I have to get in because maybe they could even squeeze into a wild card berth if one of the other teams kind of struggles down the stretch. But they like I said, they have to have this week against the Cincinnati Bengals. I think they will. But if if I had to say a best of those teams, yeah, outside, I think the Ravens too. I mean, the Browns, I mean, yeah, they were my preseason Super Bowl pick out of the AFC. I went a little bolder on that if you ask me. But uh, it's just, again, they, they needed to have that game if you ask me against the Raiders. It dropped them from potentially what they could have been fourth in the – AFC playoff race with them leading the AFC North. Instead, now they are 12th. Just too big of a swing with that uh, with that loss. So I don't, I don't think they're going to be able to overcome that. They have a tough schedule down the stretch. I mean, the Ravens, too, also have to play the Rams. So, again, continuing on that point of why they absolutely need this game against the Cincinnati Bengals. The Steelers, the Raiders, and the Denver Broncos, I just don't see a lot in any of those teams either, if you ask me to warrant them potentially moving up. That's why I also think the Titans, if you ask me, who are nine and five and not a great team, I think that they'll be able to squeeze in because I just don't think there are enough formidable teams down there. Yes, their records are decent, but I don't know. I just don't necessarily think that those teams are particularly too strong. Coy, let's swing it over to the NFC. The NFC, it all but looks like the six, the top six spots are going to be locked in with San Francisco really going on a run these past couple weeks. They seem like they are a step up, if you ask me, from the team's fighting for that seventh spot in the NFC. Yes, I know it's only a game separating, but uh, I, don't, I don't know. I feel like the gist is that San Francisco is kind of a leg up on all of them. Kind of brings you down to the last spot. Like I mentioned, the three key contenders, I guess you would say, all at 7-7, seven seven, the Minnesota Vikings, the Philadelphia Eagles, and the New Orleans Saints. I mean, the Washington football team, 6-8. and eight. I, Yes, they would need to rattle off some big wins there. I personally don't think they will. That's why I'm not really putting in them into that group of three but core i'm interested what you got to say who do you think takes that seven spot yeah i mean um hey we'll say a few episodes a few episodes ago hey i said uh the football team was gonna sneak into the playoffs hey you can't get them all right so i don't know i think minnesota philly new orleans i think these are three decent teams but i don't know like if you look at the team schedules i'd say maybe I mean, the Eagles got like a like it's all division game for the Eagles and the NFC East not not great. I mean, the Saints, I mean, the Saints probably got the most easiest schedule amongst the three. But personally, amongst the three, I think the Saints right now are probably like the least most like the, the com- least complete team amongst the three. I think like I'm just going to go off like based off which team is the best. And I think that's obviously in this case, I think it's the Minnesota Vikings. I know their schedule it's not easy. Like, they got the Rams at home this week, which I think they could pull off a win. Certainly be a close game, I think. Then they have to go to Green Bay. Uh, it's kind of tough. I think somehow, I don't know. I mean, the, the Vikings, I think, are the best team, but the schedule is kind of tough. Uh, I don't know. I think the Vikings do. I think they're the best team amongst the three, so I'm going to ride with that. I think the Vikings get in. Wouldn't be surprised if the Eagles or Saints do either. It's, this this is a really um tight three, three-way race, but I don't know. I think the, the Vikings are pretty dangerous team if they could get in i mean dalvin cook rushes the ball really well justin jefferson is a top three receiver in my opinion right now and um the defense has looked pretty good so yeah i'm gonna take the the minnesota vikings despite having a a pretty tough schedule down the stretch yeah you mentioned those two games against the rams and the packers these next two weeks and i personally agree with you in the fact that the minnesota vikings are definitely i think they're significantly better than 
the Philadelphia Eagles and the New Orleans Saints. But with those two games coming up, I'm going to go away from the Vikings. And it, it pains me in that fact because I think the Vikings are a lot better than 7-7. Seven and seven, And I think they definitely deserve to be in the playoffs. But at the end of the day, got to win some close games. And they didn't earlier in the year. So I think that's going to end up being their downfall. I'm going to go with the New Orleans Saints. And the biggest thing right now will be the availability at the quarterback position. It looks like Ian Book will be starting for them this week against the Dolphins on Monday Night Football in a game that would significantly help their playoff hopes. They play the Panthers and the Falcons week 17 and week 18. Those are games, again, if you want to be a playoff team, you have to win those games. You should win those games. So I like the Saints in those later two games. So if they were able to pull off the win this week against the Miami Dolphins, that would be huge for their playoff hopes. A game I think they could still win potentially with Ian Book. They're going to lean on their defense. They're going to lean on Alvin Kamara a lot. I mean, Book was a fourth rounder this past year out of Notre Dame. Hasn't had any NFL action yet. So I'm excited to see what he can do there. Sean Payton hopefully has a couple good play calls dialed up for him. But uh, yeah, I, I don't necessarily have a ton of confidence in the Saints because of their like incompetence on offense really ever since Jameis went down if you ask me with Taysom it's kind of been like just survival like out there if you ask me on offense but um hopefully Book can bring a different dynamic to the offense and uh maybe they can implement him and Taysom both down the stretch I know people sometimes say if you have two quarterbacks you have no quarterbacks because like it's just like you know you got you gotta have one quarterback that's kind of the way it's just always been accepted but I'll go with the Saints, my long, long answer short, as my team that will take the seventh spot and squeeze in to the NFC playoff race. Core, before we get into our game picks, uh, one last thing I want to wrap up with. With three weeks to go in the regular season, let's talk about some individual awards. I mean, the Pro Bowl, the Pro, Pro Bowl selections were just named last night, Wednesday night. Uh, if you ask me, there were a couple guys who if you, did not deserve at all to get into the Pro Bowl. Specifically, I'll just go with two at the quarterback position, Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray, both guys have missed significant time this year. I think when I talk about Pro Bowl snubs, my biggest thing is I don't like when people are like, oh, this guy got snubbed for the Pro Bowl. It's like, well, who would he replace? And it's like, uh, nobody. Everybody was good. You know what I'm saying? But when you got guys like Josh Allen and Matthew Stafford who have had great individual seasons, their teams are doing perfectly fine. And they're not making it because guys who have been out and have worse stats than them are making it. I, I, don't, I don't like that. So I think Josh Allen and Matthew Stafford should be pissed off that they did not make the Pro Bowl in favor of guys like Kyler Murray and Lamar Jackson. And biggest ability sometimes is availability. And I think that should have got more, like, taken into account more. I mean, Lamar Jackson has more interceptions than Josh Allen, and Josh Allen has 15 more touchdowns than him in the air. So I think that's a little extreme. I think, like I said, it's the Pro Bowl. I really don't think it matters as much as it once did. You know what I mean? So – I'm not going to lose sleep over it, but if I was Josh Allen or Matthew Stafford, I'd be a little ticked off about um, being passed up on. Yeah, I mean, it is the Pro Bowl. Uh, I don't think the Pro Bowl is like the all-star game in the NBA or even like the MLB. It's not really like that. A lot of guys don't even play. But, yeah, I think definitely Josh Allen. Um, he deserved it over Lamar. I, I love Lamar Jackson, but if you look at his stats, um, he's had to do a lot for that team. but. I mean, Josh Allen's had the better year. And um, even on the ground, I mean, Josh Allen's not as far behind as you would think. I think in this Pro Bowl, is this all fan fan votes or this is all fan votes, right? Did like I'm, the fans I, vote? Honestly, I'm, I'm honestly not 100. I know some part of it was the fan vote, but I really I don't think the whole thing was all fan votes. Oh, yeah. All right. Yeah. No, nah, but I think it looked like this one, like. Kyler Murray also making it in the NFC. I mean, you could um guys like Matthew Stafford, 
uh, could have made it over him. I think like Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray making it over like Josh Allen and Matthew Stafford, maybe like you think who were probably like the two most fun quarterbacks to watch in the NFL. I would say like Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray are up there. But like if you if you're going based off seasons and like how they've performed this year, I think Stafford um, and Josh Allen deserve it over Kyler Murray and um, Lamar Jackson. And then at the running back position, I know he just got hurt, but I think Leonard Fournette, I don't know if like that's why he didn't get voted in or whatever, but I think Leonard Fournette's had a really good season uh, with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I mean, I mean, Cordell Patterson also, I think the AFC running backs, uh, I don't have a problem with any of those guys, but maybe I know James Conner's had a ton of touchdowns. Alvin Kamara's missed a few games. I wouldn't have a problem with like Leonard Fournette or Cordell Patterson getting in over um, over Alvin Kamara. But overall, I mean, hey, it's the Pro Bowl. All these guys are really good, really good players, really good talents. Like you can't really say none of these guys actually deserved it. But yeah, I mean, a few guys like, yes, yeah, Snubs, Josh Allen, uh, Stafford, maybe Leonard Fournette, Cordell Patterson. Those are like four potential snubs. But yeah, I can't really say any of the guys who made it didn't necessarily deserve it. So I don't really have a problem overall. Yeah, and at the end of the day, none of these guys hope that they're playing in the Pro Bowl because they hope that they're playing in the Super Bowl come late January, early February. But it, it, it is a little sour, I guess, for some people. Some people like those individual awards. But moving on to the awards, if you ask me, that really do matter, MVP. And we'll go with Offensive Defensive Player of the Year because there have been some awesome races down the stretch with Tom Brady kind of struggling this past week the MVP door has opened I mean even Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray I just talked about them in the Pro Bowl I mean early on in the year when they were healthy they were both playing at an MVP level they've kind of also faded off due to their injuries and just not being able to play and stuff like that so it's really opened up this MVP race if you ask me there's no clear front runner I believe if you look at betting odds Brady and Rodgers are almost uh tied like I believe they have almost have identical odds Core, I'm curious with you do you think that there's anybody else that could sniff in and take the MVP award away from those two? Or do you think it ultimately will go down to Brady or Rodgers? I mean, personally, I think, uh, personally, I think Rodgers right now is in line to take home as a, uh, his second straight MVP. But I guess right now, like two dark horses, um, maybe even three in the NFC. I don't think not nah, two in the AFC, one in the NFC. I don't think any of them will get it. I think Rodgers is going to get it, but like, think Patrick Mahomes could potentially make a late push if he um like his numbers are good if he has like a really good final three games Chiefs win out um maybe Patrick Mahomes maybe Justin Herbert if they could um if he has another if he has three good weeks and they're able to win out or or Matthew Stafford in the NFC like those three guys have had all good seasons I don't think they're gonna give it to uh Jonathan Taylor running back uh, I think they're going to give it to a quarterback. Like, you're never giving the the MVP to a non-quarterback. So, personally, yeah, I think Aaron Rodgers takes home a second straight. But, yeah, those three guys, Mahomes, Herbert, Stafford, like three guys slightly in the race, but honestly not really. I think, I think, I think Aaron Rodgers takes home his second straight MVP. All right, that's a fair point. I'm, I'm, I think it's ultimately going to come down to. I like how you brought some of those other guys in. Yeah, I think it will be Brady, Rodgers, or I think actually Patrick Mahomes. Out of those other three that you name, would be the most likely to step in. I'm in agreement with you on the fact that I don't think Cooper Cup even too or Jonathan Taylor would get catapulted to MVP. I think they'll give it to a quarterback. But I think those two guys are 
neck and neck, if you ask me, for Offensive Player of the Year. Probably leaning more towards Jonathan Taylor personally, if you ask me, just because he, he's a running back in the sense that he carries more of the load on offense and then Cooper Cup. I'm not saying, again, Cooper Cup is going to break a ton of receiving records this year. He's been unbelievable in a sense, but I'll lean with Jonathan Taylor. And and whoever whoever doesn't win that award is getting snubbed, if you ask. I, like, like, actually, no, there, there's my perfect example. Whoever do, like doesn't win that award, like if you ask me, isn't getting snubbed because the other guy deserved it. He's, he was just just as deserving, if you ask me. So I, I really I won't lose sleep again over whoever doesn't win the award between Cup or Jonathan Taylor. I personally think it should be Taylor, but – who knows down these last three games? Are you how are you feeling on this? See, like it could go either way. Um, like you said, I, I think personally they're gonna give it to to Jonathan Taylor because you're running back. Um, like you're carrying more of the burden, but it's just tough. Both these guys, like in their statistical categories, like Cup, first in receptions, first in yards, first in touchdown. Jonathan Taylor, first in. He's got the most carries, uh, first in yards and first in touchdowns. So, like, it's kind of tough. Uh, I don't know what the betting odds currently are for, for these two. I'd probably say Taylor's slight favorite without even looking. But uh, I don't know. I think also I'm going to lean with Jonathan Taylor. But I'd like to see Cooper Cup get it. But I think just because he's a receiver. I think if he breaks Calvin Johnson's all-time record, honestly. I know he has one extra game to do it. I think he will if he has, like, with the extra game. I don't know, really. It could go either way. I think personally they're going to give it to Jonathan Taylor because, like, he's a running back and Cooper Cup's a wide receiver. But if Cooper Cup won it, uh, I won't be surprised. Hey, could they do a a co a co offensive player of the year? Like two guys. They probably, I mean, they probably could, right? They're right there. They, I mean, they make the rules. They can do whatever they want. I mean, it would be pretty fitting if you asked me to put Coe's in this year because it kind of seems like there's so much of a leg up on other guys. So I wouldn't hate Coe's. I think Coe's is an is an option. Oh yeah, I definitely agree. I think, hey, I wouldn't. I'd be all for um, co-offensive player of the year. Personally, I think they'll give it they'll give it to Taylor. But either way, both these teams looking for looking into a playoff pit playoff push. I'd say both these guys definitely um, they got bigger things on their mind. Like if you told. Jonathan Taylor, you rather win a Super Bowl or Offensive Player of the Year? He's obviously telling you a Super Bowl. So, uh, I don't know. Obviously, these guys want it, but they got bigger things on their mind. It should be a good race uh, down the stretch. Yeah, for sure. But, uh, Core, after all of that, we kind of can finally bring us into our game picks for Week 16. Uh, we got a full slate, of course. It looks like oh, – hold up a second. I don't, I don't know where I was going with that. Core? That can find this can core. We can finally now get into our week 16 game picks. We've kind of alluded to some of these games earlier in the episode that they're must win for certain teams, sort of preview a couple of them, and then of course give our picks for the whole slate. We'll start first with the Thursday night football game between the San Francisco 49ers and the Tennessee Titans. The 49ers are three point favorites on the road here. Listen, I've mentioned all episode that the Titans aren't like a great team right now without Derrick Henry. I think though, as I said. The Titans are able to get up for a lot of these games. They play to their competition. Even with that being said, they're good defense this year. I'm going to go with the 49ers. The 49ers are just too hot right now. They run the football extremely well. I know they won't have Elijah Mitchell in this one, but Debo Samuel and George Kittle are two of the best offensive playmakers in this league. So I'll side with the 49ers. I'll take them minus three to beat Tennessee, just in the fact that they're just a much better team right now going into this game than the Tennessee Titans. Yes, you could look at records and stuff like that. Yes, you could look at Tennessee's track history of getting up for games against better teams and stuff like that. But right now, 
going into Thursday night, the 49ers are a significantly better team. So I will take the San Francisco 49ers minus three here. Yeah, honestly, I'm gonna I'm gonna agree. I think this will be I think at the end of the day it turns out to be a uh, a one score football game. But yeah, I mean uh the San Francisco 49ers right now, like you said, I think Debo Samuel, he he's just a top playmaker in the in the NFL, wide receiver one, RB one, doesn't matter. Like he he's making plays for you and George Kittle has just emerged. Um not emerged. I mean everyone knew George Kittle, top top two tight end in the NFL, but like over the last few games definitely took over and, and Jimmy G like maybe he's not a great quarterback, but at the end of the day, the guy does win football games. So I think in this one, uh, the 49ers get a win here and cover and cover minus three. All right. Moving on to one of the games on Christmas day, the Indianapolis Colts travel to Arizona to play the Cardinals. Cardinals are one point favorites in this game. Listen, this is an ideal spot. If you ask me to kind of sell the Colts high, and buy the Cardinals low, but I'm not going to even, I'm not going to go for it. You know I mean? I, I've always been high on this Colts team. I'm really not high on the Arizona Cardinals. I didn't even think going into the year, I thought that maybe they'd squeeze into the playoffs. I thought they've overperformed from my standards, if you ask me. But the Colts are rolling right now. You know what I mean? And I'm not going to get in front of that train. That is Jonathan Taylor and company. Their defense is playing real well. I think they can make things difficult on Kyler Murray. And again, you lose a game coming off a loss to the Detroit Lions. Their Detroit Lions really moved the ball at will on offense in that first half. I don't think the Colts should have a problem either for an Arizona Cardinals defense that has been really good this season. So if Craig, Craig Reynolds, I love you, but if you're running for 100 yards, I'd love to see what Jonathan Taylor can do against this defense. So I'll take the Colts plus one to win the game here. Again, I just think that they're a better team than the Arizona Cardinals today, so I'll take them. Yeah, I agree with you. I think this is a, this is a prime game. I think in the scenarios, what's been going on, like the Colts hot, um, Cardinals kind of slumping right now. I think prime position for a bounce back game. I don't know if the public, I think there's a game where the public probably would be, might be all over the Colts. I don't know how it's going to work, but I'm not going to, I still think the Colts are the better team right now. I mean, I picked the Cardinals to win the NFC West before the year, but like right now, like they're kind of slumping and I'm not going to. Not gonna pick them in this one. I'm, I think I'm gonna take. I'm definitely gonna take the uh, the Indianapolis Colts here to uh, to win the game outright on the road. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, I think, is is just too much. That offensive line also does. Like obviously, you got to give credit to the O line. Uh, Jonathan Taylor isn't running for all these yards without a good O line. I mean, Colts O line has been good for the last few years. So yeah, I think the Colts get this job done on both sides of the ball and uh, and win this game in Arizona. All right, moving on to an AFC North battle, basically for the division lead. The Baltimore Ravens are three-point underdogs in Cincinnati against the Bengals. The Ravens, this is a revenge game for them. Earlier in the season, the Bengals went down to Baltimore, really punched Baltimore in the mouth in that game, won by, it was a big margin. I can't remember the score exactly in my head. I know Jamar Chase went crazy that day. Again, this is a good coach Ravens team with John Harbaugh, of course. Good coach teams don't lose to the same opponent twice in the same year. So I'm going to go with the Ravens here, plus three. I'm going to tense that Lamar Jackson back at quarterback and I just don't think the Cincinnati Bengals again are as good as they were maybe at some points earlier in the year I think that they really got lucky in the game last week against the Denver Broncos and other Broncos have a good defense and stuff like that but they really couldn't get anything going on offense they had a long touchdown in that game that really helped them and then their defense made a couple big plays later so yeah I'm gonna go with the Ravens here plus three and to win the game and uh them ultimately to take the lead in the AFC North yeah I think this game um for sure, I'm, I'm definitely siding with the Baltimore Ravens in this one just because over the last few years, um, 
John Harbaugh also like John Harbaugh has won a Super Bowl. The Ravens have been in the playoffs. I'm expecting Lamar Jackson to be back. Uh, Lamar Jackson's been in the playoffs. No one on Cincinnati Cincinnati Bengals really has been in the playoffs, and I think this is go time for the for the Ravens. I know they I think they lost. I think the score was 41-17 back like a few weeks ago, maybe even months. But yeah, I'm, I'm gonna take the the Ravens to just win this game outright in Cincinnati and um and take the lead in the AFC North. Yeah, I love how you mentioned you bring up the playoff experience and stuff like that because this is going to be a playoff game. This is going to have a playoff atmosphere because of what's at stake in that sense. So, yeah, the Ravens and their experience these past couple of years and stuff like that, and the Bengals, this is kind of new territory for them, especially with the new regime and the new roster that they have. So, yeah, I'll go with the experience and stuff like that. Moving on to another big game in the NFC. The Rams are three-point favorites against the Minnesota Vikings in Minnesota. Dalvin Cook's availability will definitely be in question. He was just actually placed on the COVID list, so – they need him for this game. We just mentioned they play the Rams and they play the Packers these next two games. A tied at 7-7 seven and seven with the Eagles and the Saints. They need all the help that they can get there. Ultimately, though, I'm going to side with the Los Angeles Rams. I think that midseason scare that they had when they dropped a couple games in a row, they're kind of off it. They had a nice win this past Tuesday against the Seattle Seahawks. Maybe not as convincing as you'd like, but again, it's still a division game. The Seahawks will always play in division rivals tough. So I'll go with the Rams here to win in Minnesota and ultimately put the Vikings in a tough spot for that seventh seed. Hey, I think um, if Dalvin Cook plays in this game, uh, I think I definitely, like, his availability for sure um, can can dictate the, the outcome of this game. I think um, Dalvin Cook's a, a huge difference maker. Alexander Madison's obviously a good back, but I think Dalvin Cook completely brings another element um, to this offense. So I think if he plays... I mean, hey, I picked the I picked the Vikings to get the seventh seed. I think for that to happen, they're gonna have to win at least two of these last three games and definitely at least split these games between the Rams and the, and the Packers. And I don't see them really winning in Green Bay, even though they've played Green Bay good. But I think they get this win at home against against the Rams, cover the spread, and uh, move closer to that to that seventh seed to to clinch it. All right, moving on to the AFC East battle. I mean, cool. I'm loving this slate. It's going to be highly competitive this week. We got that week 13 rematch between the Buffalo Bills and the New England Patriots. The Bills, two and a half point underdogs in New England. Obviously, when these teams played the last time, the talk of the game was, oh, the weather. Oh, who's got the wind and stuff like that. I mean, it's going to be cold in Foxborough this week, but I'll go on the record of saying it's not going to be that windy. I don't think it possibly can be that windy. Obviously, I think the Bills have a little bit more to play for in this game, them coming off a loss and stuff like that to the New England Patriots earlier. With that being said, I'm going to go with the Buffalo Bills plus two and a half, and I'll take them to win the football game. I think that I, I don't love, again, going against Bill Belichick coming off a loss, but I'm going with the same thing with the Ravens. These teams are going to bounce back off earlier season losses to their divisional rivals. I think the Bills ultimately will take the AFC East, and for that to happen, they absolutely have to have this one. And uh, I'll take Josh Allen and company to win this one. I think that they're going to have to attack this Patriots secondary, a secondary that's been so good this year. J.C. Jackson really has had a phenomenal season. Again, you could throw him into the race for defensive player of the year, possibly. But, um, yeah, I'll go with the Bills to win this game and to uh, kind of remind people that they are a top team in the AFC. Yeah, I think this will be um, a really good game between two of the top teams in the AFC. I think the um, the Bills know – they need this game probably more than the Pats. So, I don't know. I think 
I think it's going to be a really good game. But I'm going to honestly side with the Bills also. I think the Bills um, get revenge for losing that game at home in that really tough weather game. I expect another relatively like low-scoring game. I'm not going to say this game is going to be in the 30s. I think it'll be in like the low 20s. I'll take the Bills in a close one uh, to win this game. All right. The rest of our picks we'll give out for this week. On Saturday, Christmas Day, I'll go with the Browns plus seven and a half, but the Packers to ultimately win that game. Keep an eye out for the Browns COVID list. Obviously, they were dealing with a bunch of stuff this past week. Hopefully, a lot of those guys can get activated and can get healthy. I'll go with my Giants plus nine and a half, but the way that they've looked, I'm going to take the Eagles to win that game. I'll take the Lions plus five and a half, but I'll take the Falcons to win. Uh, I will go with the Jacksonville Jaguars in a pick them against the Jets. The Jets, another team dealing with a lot of COVID issues. Robert Sala will not be on the sideline for that one. I'll take the Buccaneers minus 10 against the Carolina Panthers. I think the Buccaneers coming off a loss again. Unfortunate situation for the Panthers here. They played the Bills coming off a loss, and now they got the Panthers coming. They got the Buccaneers coming off a loss. Just a tough scheduling, I guess you could say. I'll take the Texans plus 10 with the Chargers to win. I'll take the Seahawks. To win, but the Bears to cover six and a half in that one. Take the Steelers to cover plus seven, but the Chiefs to win in Arrowhead. Again, the Chiefs, another team. Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill both on the COVID list. Keep an eye out for those. I'll take the Raiders in a pick them against the Denver Broncos. The Broncos will be without Teddy Bridgewater in that one. The Washington football team plus 11, but the Cowboys to win. And then on Monday night, this line is going to change. So I'll take the Dolphins plus three and to win the game. But that was before Ian Book was announced as the starting quarterback. So definitely that will change. But core. Opens it up to you. Yeah. Um, I'm going to side with the Packers. Minus seven and a half at home. I think the Browns are a good team, but I'll take the Packers. Uh, Eagles, Giants. I'm going to take the Eagles. Minus nine and a half at home. Lions, Falcons. I'll take the Lions plus five and a half. But the, the Falcons squeeze out uh, a win. Um, Jags, Jets. You know, I'm, I'm siding with the Jets in uh, – in this one for sure. Uh, Bucks, Panthers, like you said, I think off a loss. I'm going to take the Bucks minus 10, even though Cam Newton, I mean, he's been rushing pretty well. Uh, Texans, Chargers, I'll take the Chargers minus 10 at the Texans, even though Davis Mills um, coming off a win against the Jags. Um, Bears, Seahawks, I think this game, nah, I'm going to take the Seahawks minus six and a half at home. I know we've been like, I don't know, I just think they get the job done here. Chiefs, Steelers, I'm taking the Steelers plus seven. I think inevitably the Chiefs win the game, but I think without your two best playmakers, it's going to be a lot to overcome. Broncos, Raiders, I'm honestly going to side with the Broncos here. I think this line's a little uh, a little weird. So I'm going to take the Broncos on the road to get the win here. Washington versus the Cowboys, and the Cowboys have kind of kicked it back into somewhat a gear. I think their defense has been forcing a lot of turnovers. So I'm going to take the Cowboys minus 11. And then last game, Ian Book obviously out. I expect this line to possibly change to like Dolphins minus one and a half, minus two. But in the in the case that it is right now, I'll take the Dolphins plus three and to win the game. Yeah, cool. I'm just curious because we both mentioned now that the line is going to change. I, yeah, I think I think justified. I think I could see like one and a half two and a half I think the most I could see getting up to like Dolphins minus two and a half and I think I'd still honestly take the Dolphins uh to cover that what about you I honestly think this game I think it'll be close regardless I think Ian Book will be able to keep this close I expect it to be a pretty low scoring game depends how the Saints defense plays but
but yeah, I think the Dolphins win the game. I think they win the game. Definitely a one-score game. So if it's two and a half, one and a half, I'll take the Dolphins with that. Anything over three, though, it's not going to get that high, but I, I would not take over three points. Very fair. I was just curious how you saw it. I don't think T- Taysom Hill's good, but again, I don't think he makes as big of an impact as a lot of other teams' starting quarterbacks. What I mean, Taysom Hill's already, what, the third different starting quarterback? Book will be the fourth this year that's been under center for the New Orleans Saints. But, Court, moving on to the NCAA, bowl season has already started. Not a lot of the big bowls, but still, man, college football almost every day these past week has been awesome. You know what I mean? I love turning on the game randomly on a Saturday morning at 11 o'clock and seeing Bailey Zapp of Western Kentucky break the NCAA single season passing yards and touchdown record. He finished with 5,967 yards and 62 touchdowns in only 14 games as Western Kentucky beat Appalachian State pretty big in that one. Uh, it was over really going into the fourth quarter and stuff like that. But for Zap, like we meant, the guy was a four-year quarterback at Houston Baptist, transfers over to Western Kentucky and really took off this year. Again, probably doesn't really have a huge NFL future in the sense that it'll be like a late round pick and stuff like that. Maybe you can catch lightning in the bottle with him, but hats off to an unbelievable season for him. Record breaking. He'll be in the record books for the foreseeable future. You know what I mean? With the way that college football has really been these past couple years. I mean, who, who knows how, I mean, it's probably not going to be too long lasting and stuff like that, but still for Zap, an unbelievable accomplishment and uh, hats off to him. Yeah. I mean, Bailey Zap um, from Houston Baptist, uh, I don't know, for a guy, which is like, it's his like fifth year, fifth year senior base guy. I know he didn't play his uh, first year at Houston Baptist, but the guy was never really, he never put up monster stats at Houston Baptist. I know he had one year, he had like 35 touchdowns, but yeah, it's coming to Western Kentucky and this year just go absolutely wild. I mean, you knew, you knew he was breaking, breaking the record in this game. Like Western Kentucky was literally, at least in the beginning of the game, before he, before he broke it. Like, it was literally just – you knew if they were inside, like, the anytime you're in the red zone, one-yard line. It didn't even matter if it was the half-yard line. Like, Bailey Zapp was throwing the ball for a touchdown. Like, I watched the first drive. I think it was, like, first and goal at the one or two. And they got stopped, like, at the half-yard line on a throw. And then Zapp threw it again. Just, like, throws it outside. Guy got in. So, yeah, I mean, good for Bailey Zapp. That's – um. Definitely an incredible accomplishment, 62 touchdowns. So uh, I don't know what his status will be at the next level, but regardless of that, the guy certainly has a lot to dwell on at his uh, his college performance. Um, like, never forget his 2021 season at uh, Western Kentucky, 62 touchdowns. It's uh, a big accomplishment. Yeah, listen, you can uh, kind of maybe say that Zap's arm isn't, like his arm strength isn't as great as what you'd like at the next level. But again, nobody has put up the numbers in college that he has. So, I mean, what he's at least done, yes, it has been against some like non-power five schools. But at the end of the day, you know what I mean? He's still out there on a football field slinging it. Core, another bowl game that if you actually call it a little bit of interest, Army beat Missouri. I mean, for Army to beat uh, SEC team, pretty impressive, if you ask me. And that sense, their first Power 5 win since 2017. Uh, Court, this kind of brings me into a hypothetical now. Would you rather be an Army wide receiver or uh, Western Kentucky's running back this past year? I mean, both of them, tough tough situations. I mean, Army runs the ball 98% of their plays, obviously, with that big guy. And um, Western Kentucky, you mentioned, throws the ball every single time on the half-yard line. So I'm curious where you stand on that. Yeah, Pearl, that's actually a great question. Honestly, 
I'm probably going to just say it's tough. I'm probably going to say I don't know. I feel like the running back at Western Kentucky probably gets more work than an Army wide receiver. Like the leading wide receiver at Army. I mean, I, I, I'm probably going to say Army wide receiver just because like the, the, the running back for Western Kentucky, I don't know how many like routes necessarily, like short routes he's running. He's probably just like blocking a lot, having to get like steamrolled by by like linebackers rushing at him or like <laughs> he's got to pick him up and block him. So I'm, I'm going to say I'd rather be a wide receiver on the outside at a, at Army. I mean, you got to do blocking, but it's not like not as much like you're not you're not taking on linebackers and stuff like that. So personally, I, I'd probably take a wide receiver at Army. How about you? Uh, yeah, you know what I mean? I'm, I'd say, I don't know. I, I asked the question. I didn't really think it through which way I would lean. Uh, I'll probably go with wide receiver as well, too, because I, my one thing will be the one time that Army finally throws the ball, you should easily be wide open for a 30-yard gain so it makes it look like you're sick, right? You, you can run like a half-decent route and be wide open because every single person thinks that you're running the ball again. So I'll go with the Army thing, but I, I wouldn't have a – listen, if, if you put me in pads right now, I'll go play running back for Western Kentucky if they want. So – um. That takes care of that. Moving on to another bowl game, if you ask me, that was interesting. More so because of who was at the quarterback position. Malik Willis of Liberty in his final college game. Five total touchdowns, threw for 231 yards, another 58 on the ground. A guy who, for the next few months, you're going to hear a lot about, potentially, as the top quarterback on the draft board. If you ask me, I definitely want to watch a lot more of his stuff earlier in the season. You know what I mean? Don't keep as close of an eye on I know he struggled in that Ole Miss game that I watched. But, um, yeah, a guy who has been described as maybe more of a raw prospect, but if you can hone it together, you could have something special. I mean, some of the throws that he was making in this game were honestly unbelievable. They're next-level throws, you could tell. Uh, a guy who has a lot of upside, like I said, really needs to go to the right place. But for Malik Willis, good for him in a final in his final collegiate showcase, really, and uh, excited for what his future holds and potentially how the pre-draft process goes for him. Yeah, I mean, Malik Willis, obviously a um... – a dual threat quarterback. Uh, I think he's a guy who I think he, he's good right now, but I think definitely like could be developed a lot more and like take his game to another level. Like right now, I think got like teams are looking at Willis. Um, obviously he was good in college, but they see a lot of like potential in the guy and could develop this guy. So yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see how, um, how like where he'll go, um, like what quarterback amongst the quarterbacks he'll uh, he'll rank in in the 2022 draft if he goes out, which he probably will. But yeah, um, definitely put on a show if this is the last game. Five total touchdowns in a in a 36 point win is, is a great way to uh, to go out at Liberty. Yeah, for sure. And I think that the way that we've seen the college quarterbacks transition this past year to the NFL, I mean. Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Mac Jones has probably had the most success out of those four that I've mentioned. Trey Lance really hasn't even gotten any action there. So, yeah, I don't think really Malik Willis should be stepping onto the field as a starting quarterback early in the 2022 NFL season. But that's a story and that's a discussion for a whole nother day that we'll get into down the stretch core. We mentioned, though, last week on our episode about all these quarterbacks transferring and about potential transfers in the portal they were a couple that chose their new destinations we got keaton slovis committed to Pitt. bo Nix is transferring to oregon dylan gabriel's going out west to ucla and max johnson staying in the sec going to texas a&m any 
one of these guys that you're real excited about in their new spot and can uh, potentially succeed a lot more than they did at their old stop? I mean, I think, I mean, two major guys, obviously, you're looking at are Keaton Slovis and, um, and Bo Nix. And if you're going to tell me, like, succeed more, I'm honestly, like, I'm curious to see Bo Nix in Oregon. But I think after seeing what Kenny Pickett did in, in Pittsburgh, Keaton Slovis, obviously, like, a, a top talent. I know there was a time, like, this guy, what, was projected to be, I saw, like, I remember seeing, like, a few months ago, like, a 2022 mock draft and the guy was like a top 10 pick somehow so um definitely Keaton Slovis going to Pittsburgh um like I said after seeing what Kenny Pickett did uh this year um I'm, I'm excited to see what he could do in that uh in that pit offense um as well yeah yeah me me too for sure I think Slovis was a guy I was really high on going into the season had a tough year even struggled with injuries as well so him going to a place like Pitt, that is going to have a stud receiver in Jordan Addison who had almost 1,500 yards and 17 touchdowns coming back. I think that's huge. I think him and Kenny Pickett do a lot of things similarly. So, yeah, a huge spot if you ask me for Slovis to regain some of his stock for the 2023 NFL draft. Bo Nix, an interesting note on him going to Oregon. He can't escape Georgia. They play Georgia next week, uh, next year, I think the first week of the season and out of conference game. So, uh, He's going to have another chance to maybe beat Georgia for the first time in his career. I think that's another interesting one as well. So we'll have to wait and see there. Dylan Gabriel with Chip Kelly will be another interesting one in UCLA. I'm sure he will put up a lot of points over there. Corey, that kind of brings us in to our final thing. I know not a lot of college football news. Like I said, we haven't really gone too in-depth for some of the bowl games that have happened already. But, uh, of course, next week on our episode, we're going to preview all of the New Year's Six bowl games. We'll choose a couple other ones I know. Oklahoma plays Oregon, which isn't a New Year's Six Bowl. Same thing with Clemson and Iowa State. Those are more bigger name programs and stuff like that. More stuff that you guys might want to hear. So we'll definitely preview some of those games. But, Corey, there are still a couple interesting games, if you ask me, that are going on up until that point. One game that I'll mention is UCLA versus NC State kicks off. I believe it's on Tuesday next week. But uh, potentially Dorian Thompson Robinson's last game as UCLA's quarterback. And this guy's an explosive runner. I mean, in Chip Kelly's offense, again, just an awesome quarterback to be there. So uh, in his potential final collegiate game, definitely excited to watch him play. Any other games, Corey, you kind of want to uh, look in, or looking forward to at least? Yeah, I mean, I think that game, obviously, um, uh, Thompson, uh, Robinson, I, I've seen him obviously like a really good athlete. I mean, um, obviously another good game. Uh, Houston, see if they can come back off that um, loss in – the um, AAC like championship game. I, obviously, they play an SEC school in Auburn with uh, I know Bo Nix obviously not there, but uh, TJ Finley is um gonna be starting. But yeah, I'm obviously uh, looking at that game. I don't know. It's, I'm not I'm not like necessarily expecting like uh a high high scoring game like an explosive shootout. But yeah, I'm gonna see if um Houston come back rebound. Off a loss to Cincinnati and beat an SEC opponent. So definitely another game I'm looking forward uh, to seeing. Yeah, listen, and one other thing I, I think if you ask me to, that's a great game that I'll definitely be tuning in for. The biggest thing is that, I mean, Houston's last opponent, right, is Cincinnati. Auburn's last opponent was Alabama. I know football's not that easy in a sense, but this is an AAC team versus an SEC team. I kind of want to see how they kind of can compete. You know what I mean? If Houston really gives Auburn a run for its money, maybe even blows him out in a sense, then you kind of 
I, I mean, I think the feeling around the college football world is kind of like Alabama was so number one and like a group of five team to beat Alabama, not going to happen. But again, I know it's comparing apples to oranges here, but if you see Houston really blow out Auburn in a sense, and they're a lot more physical than them and stuff like that, but they have the athletes as well to match up with them on the outside, it might give you a different perspective on how you think Cincinnati can compete with Alabama or going the other way. If Auburn runs all over this, Houston defense has been so good all season. It's almost like, well, uh, Cincinnati could be in for some trouble when they play Alabama. So definitely a good game if you ask me to potentially start to gauge your college football playoff picks. But uh, that's going to do it for today's episode. Core, anything you want to leave off with? Mm, not really. I mean, happy holidays, old people listening. Uh, obviously, there's NFL games on, Christmas, NBA games. So, And then uh, a big week of football. So, yeah, basically just that and uh, happy holidays. Yeah, best time to be a football fan. I mean, we got games literally, I think, consecutively till next uh, through next Sunday and stuff like that. So, I mean, college, NFL, doesn't matter. Sit back, relax, enjoy the holidays with your family and uh, watch some football. But, yeah, that's going to do it for today's episode. Be sure to check us out on Instagram at the default underscore. Take care, everybody. Have a good one.